Thank you, worship team. Are you happy to be in church this morning? Are you happy to be in church this morning? Man, what an incredible Sunday. I'm going to invite you to take your seats. I'm excited that you made time to worship with us today. I'm excited to kick off a new series. I'm grateful as we uh, wrap up the month of September for all the incredible things that are taking place at Impact City Church. Uh, We are grateful for small groups that have kicked off and and that they are thriving, and we're hearing some some great stories of what is taking place. I'm grateful for our student ministry, grade 6 through 12. Man, if you have not had a chance to just pop in and, and check out what's taking place, we're so grateful for what God is doing in the lives of our youth. We're grateful that our young adults ministry has kicked off, and they're meeting um, in conjunction as well with the youth, and we are just so thrilled for what God has in store for us. And there is, I want to say, there's room for you. There's room for you. There's room for you to get involved. There's room for you in small groups. There's room for you. Get plugged in. Get connected. We all need a support system. Amen? It's important. Um, So today I want to, it's my privilege to welcome you, whether you are here for the first time, whether you are a, a frequent worshiper with us, whether you call Impact City Church your home, I am excited to welcome you into the house today. There is nothing like being here in the presence of God. There's nothing like being able to experience what this is. Um, I, I will tell you, um, there's, there's nothing like it. Man, there's nothing like it. I, I love watching football, and I'll, I'll make this comparison because it's one thing to watch it at your home, but it's another thing to, to travel just a little bit north to God's country. That's right, I said it. Red Raider land, and, and just we were there a uh, couple of weeks back, and I'll tell you what, just to feel, feel the energy uh, in the stadium is so much different than watching the game at home. Can I tell you that I understand that, that sometimes you cannot be here, but can I tell you that every time that you can make an effort, man, just muster up enough energy and strength to be here, because I promise you your life will be better for it. Your life will be better for it. So we're, I'm excited to, to kick off a new series that, that we are calling Heroes, and Throughout the next several weeks, we're going to be looking at just individual people uh, in in the Bible. We're going to be looking at different people that stand out because of their faith, because of of their ability to stand for God. And I'm excited to highlight them. You're going to have we're going to have different speakers come up here throughout this series and be able to share. Uh, you know, someone that stands out to them. And I am excited to. Um, start off this series with Noah. Noah. I am so grateful. I'm so grateful that that Moses was obedient to be able to build the ark. Amen. Just catching if you're, I I know what I said. I I want, you're like, is he really, is he serious? No, I'm not serious. Noah built the ark. So growing up, Parker loved uh, this song, Who Built the Ark? Noah, Noah. Uh, who built the ark? Brother Noah built the ark. Anybody ever heard it? You have young kids, um, so it's engraved in my in my mind. I can't help but read about Noah and, and think about that song. So thank you, Parker. Um, there's two things that I want to accomplish in this series. The objective. It's always good to know where we're headed. Why this series? Well. The, the first is that I want to help us understand just some heroes of the faith and help us understand uh, what, 
what made them unique, what made them stand out. And to, to be able to understand that these are ordinary people that just placed themselves in God's hands and God did something outstanding with them. And it, it's a great reminder for us, for you, to let, to, to let us know that we're ordinary people, but when we make ourselves available to God, God can do something great in our lives. Amen? That God can do something extra, that we're ordinary people, but he can do something extraordinary through us. Um, and the second thing is just to find some encouragement. I, I truly believe that you will be encouraged through this series. Um, and I, I believe that there's going to be some things that are just going to speak to you specifically and exclusively that you'll be able to take. So the theme verse that I want to cover is found in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. And it starts by saying, therefore, therefore. Um, and anytime you see the verse, therefore, you, you have to know what it's there for. Um, what it's there for. It's a continuation. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. It's a continuation of the previous chapter, as, as some scholars refer to it as the Hall of Fame of Faith, uh, where there's several different people listed that all are just highlighted, that are all just brought out to our attention uh, because of what they did for God. Hebrews chapter 11. So this verse ties all those people that are named that we're going to look at a few over the next few weeks and how they connect to us. And we're going to be able to bridge that gap. Uh, so Hebrews chapter 12 verse 1 says this, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles us and let us run with perseverance the race that is marked out for us so we're in this race that we call life we're in this race that you call life and you are in the game you're in the game you're you're not called to be a spectator we are not called to be spectators but we are called to be active participators in this race so none of us here are just solely watching. And the Bible lets us know a few things, that from the vantage point, from the perspective of heaven, that, that lets us know that we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses that are just cheering us on. Everybody needs someone in their corner, right? Everybody, there is just, there is a, a dynamic that comes into play about being a participant in an extracurricular activity, but there being no one in the crowd versus the crowd being full. There is just a component that comes into play when someone is there cheering you on. We've all experienced it maybe on a personal level uh, when you have been playing and you see that your family or you see that someone is there, maybe a teacher, someone that means something to you is there cheering you on. We've experienced it on a personal level when someone pats us on the back and tells us, hey, keep on going. It, it just does something to us. But the Bible here is so awesome to, let, to remind us, to let us know that there are people, that there is a great cloud of witnesses that, that are cheering you on in your race and telling you, keep on going, that are telling you, keep on serving God, that, that we survived, that, that the same God that helped me survive is the same God that can help you survive, that we are encouraged through his word that this great cloud of witness is here to help us as we finish this race. Because can I remind you that, that our enemy is real? 
and that his plan for us is to not finish this race, for us not to endure. And that's why the writer of the book of Hebrews reminds us, and he says you have to throw off the weight and you have to throw off the sin. So every weight, every sin is a weight, but not every weight is a sin. What does that mean? Because sin is sin, but there are some people in your life maybe that are weighing you down. Maybe there's some people, a relationship that you're connected to, some friends that you really shouldn't be talking to. Maybe it, it, it exists on different levels and they are a weight to you. That, that person is not necessarily a, a sin, but the, they're a weight and they're holding you back. And can I tell you that we have to travel light and we have to understand that, the, that we need some spiritual stamina and we need some endurance to be able to do what God has called us to do in this time. So this series is about highlighting some of those giants. So, so today we're going to look at, at the life of Noah. We're going to look at the life of Noah and I'm just going to say it and get it out there and get it out of the way. I know you're thinking, what was he thinking when he brought the two mosquitoes on the boat? You can ask him when you get to heaven, okay? I promise you, that's on my list. What were you? I was outside yesterday, and man, there was not enough off to keep them off. Um, it was just, anyway. So if Noah could say a few things, I'm pretty sure he would tell us, you know, don't miss the boat. He, he would tell us, plan ahead. Um, so let's get to know Noah just a little bit. And, and for some of you that have been in church for a long time, this is just going to be maybe something, some things that you already know, but I want to do a refresher and just highlight some things that stand out to me. So Noah, where does Noah fit in in all of biblical history? What does Noah, where does he fit in? So Noah is 10 generations, just so you can get, get a perspective. He's 10 generations after Adam. He's 10 generations after Adam. So Adam and Eve, the first creation. So then you see Noah about a thousand years later is when he comes into the picture. So this is about 3,000 years before Christ. Uh, and we believe, and, and many scholars have told us that earth had a uniqueness. And we know that there was no sin. We know that it was a perfect environment. Uh, what we know is that there comes a day. We know that, that while earth was perfect maybe in that time, uh, and we... It's hard for us to wrap our minds and our hearts about around that because what we what we see is what we currently experience. That is our frame of reference. That's our context. But we know that one day earth will be restored to its pre-sin condition. We believe that what the Bible says that there will be a new heaven and there will be a new earth. Uh, and, and what we understand is that the living conditions at this time were, were much different. It didn't rain. It didn't rain. It wasn't, it wasn't something that was needed. The living conditions were totally different than what we experience today. What we know about Noah is he lived 950 years. They didn't measure time differently than what we live in today. It was just, it was, that's the type of life that they lived. He didn't start having children until he was 500. I know some of you are thinking, that's a good idea. Um, and it was when he was 600 that he started building the ark. Man, they say you're only as old as you feel. 600. If, if they say you're only as old as you feel, man, I died three years ago. Um, 600 when he started building the ark. Noah's grandfather, he had some good genes. Noah's grandfather was Methuselah. 
You've heard of Methuselah. He was the oldest living man in, recorded in the Bible. He lived 969 years. But what we understand is that wickedness made its way into the world. Wickedness comes in in horrible, horrible ways and begins to diminish the lifespan of, of humans just because of, of sin and because of the illnesses and because of the ailments and everything that takes place. So after the flood, we understand that Moses only lived 120 years. So you see the huge gap between Noah and Moses. But before this, this was the way of life. And we see Noah, and Noah speaks to us, and he tells us this. And I want to remind you of this important truth and this important fact, because some of us have been spoken into and have told us, man, I wish you were never born. And some of us have been told, you know what, there is absolutely nothing that you can do. Some of us have been called failures. Some of us have just been called losers. Some of us have been put down by words. But, but I want to remind you today with God's word that one person can make a difference. That when you wonder if your life really counts, one person can make a difference. Ask Noah. Noah will stand and tell you and I today that one person can make a difference. So for every person that thinks that they were, they came into this world by happenstance or by an accident, your life counts. You can make a difference. God needs each and every one of us here in this place to buy into the reality that we can make a difference. We can make a difference. We can make change in Jesus' name. So let's look. Let's continue looking. Genesis chapter 6, verses 5 through 8. The Bible tells us that the Lord saw how great man's wickedness on the earth had become and that every inclination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil at that time. Kind of sounds like the world we're living in today. The Lord was grieved that he had made man on the earth and his heart was filled with pain. So the Lord said, I will wipe mankind whom I have created from the face of the earth, men and animals and creatures that move along the ground and the birds of the air. For I am grieved that I have made them. But watch this. In the middle of all the negativity that is written here in Genesis chapter 6, look what the Bible says. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Aren't you grateful for favor this morning? That there was a lot of wickedness taking place in the land. There was a lot of sin taking place in the land, but there was one person who found favor in God's eyes. Can I tell you that we can go against the current? That it is possible that God sees us and that we can find favor as he did in that same time. That God sees you and I want to stir you today and I want to encourage you today that, that we can live right in a wicked, wicked world. That we can continue to live for God and let our light shine so that others would see our good deeds and glorify God and come to him also. That we have to know that in the middle of us living right and in the middle of us living for God, that we also have the ability to influence, to impact those that are around us, that our actions matter, that our words matter, that the way we do things matter, but that we would leave this place today is my prayer, never 
living life the same, but to live in such a way that we are making a difference. So let's talk about a few things about making a difference. And the first one is that you can make a difference for your family. You can make a difference for your family. Genesis chapter 7 verse 1 says this, The Lord then said to Noah, Go into the ark, you and your whole family, because I have found you righteous in this generation. You is the person who found favor before God. It was Noah particularly. It was not his whole family, but it was Noah that found favor before God's eyes. Not the whole family, but, but I want to tell you this, that when you make a difference, that when you stand up for God, it makes a difference and it impacts the people around you. It makes a difference in the people around you. Isn't it awesome that Noah's three sons were able to come into the ark because Noah was able to say, you know what, I'm going to live for God. And because of that, his family was able to, to, catch, to, to be a part of that. Can I tell you that, that the way we live and the way we glorify God and the way we, the way we exalt him with our life and with our actions and in everything that we do has the ability to impact our children and our nieces and nephews and people around us can know God because of what we do. Isn't that awesome that all I have to do is love him and people see that in us? And then they say, you know what? I want to live the way you live because you have peace in the midst of the storm. And you have joy when there's chaos taking place. You have an assurance that your God owns the cattle of a thousand hills and that he will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. There's just something different about you and I want to be a part of it. And people are blessed because of Noah's faithfulness. And because he stood up for God, his children get to come into the boat also. I'm going to bless those around you, not because of them, Noah, but because of your actions. Because of what you're doing. So everyone around you, whether you like it, whether I like it, whether we like it or not, everyone around us is impacted by our actions. Whether positively or negatively. Everything that we do matters. And it makes, it causes change. And it impacts people around us. Look what Acts chapter 16 verse 31 says. Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. And then it says you and your household. You and your household. It doesn't mean that when you're saved that others are automatically saved because it's a personal choice. He says, I stand at the door and knock that if anyone uh, hears, the, hears me knock and opens the door and lets me in, I will come in. It's an individual choice. Uh, but what it means is this. It, the Greek word is oikos, uh, which means that when you become saved, that you are then able to impact your sphere of influence. Every single one of us has a sphere of influence uh, that we are able to change change, cause change to happen because of the way we live, that your salvation, my salvation should impact our sphere of influence, that, that our salvation isn't just about us, but it's about letting our light shine and letting others see that and then that they could glorify God, that we would live our lives in such a way that we would impact those around us. And Noah is someone that stands out to us in the scriptures because he impacted his family because of his faith. 
He impacted his family. And can I tell you that you and I can rise to that same challenge and impact our entire families by living for God, by loving God, and by serving him with all our heart that we, as we find favor in his eyes, that other people around us will be able to be participants of what God is doing in our lives. And we'll be able to let them in and say, hey, you got to know Jesus. The second thing that I want to point out is that you can make a difference for your generation. So it's not just about our families. It's not just about our sphere of influence, but it's about our generation. It's meaning it's, it, it, that we have a responsibility to our generations. One of the gr- devil's greatest tricks is to make us think that, that it's not about the bigger picture, that it's all about us. And for us to have tunnel vision, for us to be just so nearsighted that we just see what is in front of us. But that, it, that I would challenge you this morning with God's help that it's not all about me, but that, that it, is, uh, it is about us changing. It's about us pouring into people around us. Don't get me wrong. God does want you to enjoy your life. And God does want good things for, for you individually and for your family but God is calling us enabling us and equipping us to impact those around us that we would make a difference in our generation that when all when if God tarries and if if our life here on earth is over that we would be that people would be able to say man he made a difference she made a difference they were able to pour in they were able to sow they were able to do some incredible things that we cannot live life just constantly thinking about what is best for me but that I have to say God how can I make a difference in the people that I don't know in the people that I don't know it starts with our sphere of influence but there's a bigger picture there's a bigger picture so impact city church let's be difference makers Let's be difference makers. Check out what the New Testament says about an Old Testament guy that you know, David. Acts chapter 13, verse 36. It's up on the screen. It'll it'll tell you that for when David had served God's purpose in his own generation, he fell asleep. Isn't that awesome? There's a few things that I want to point out. He served God's purpose in his own generation. You know the story. David was not perfect. David had mistakes. David had errors. You and I have mistakes. Can I tell you, let's not let the mistakes keep us down. Can I tell you, let's not let the failures be our identity, that you are better than that because you are bought with a price and that no matter what has knocked you down in life, that you can get back up again in Jesus' name. There is no addiction too strong. There is no sin. There is no stronghold too strong that can hold you back. If you make a decision to live for Jesus today and, and live according to his word, there is nothing that can hold you back. David served God's purpose in his own generation. He wasn't perfect. He had his mistakes. He had his faith. I'm grateful because I have my mistakes and I have my failures. But it doesn't matter how you start. It matters how you finish. And I want to tell you today that regardless of how you have lived, God is calling you. God is challenging you and saying, hey, come on in and just give me a chance. And your story can be drastically changed. He served his purpose. That is what is said of him at the end of his life. He fell asleep because to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord he did not die. He fell asleep. He, he transitioned from this earth 
to, to glory. But the Bible says that David served his purpose in his own generation. Let that be said of me and let that be said of us. The third thing is that you can make a difference, not only for your family, you can make a difference for your generation, but you can make a difference for God. You can make a difference for God, that God is looking, he's actively looking for somebody. He is looking for someone to enlist. He is looking for someone that, that says, put me in, coach. Someone that says, put me in, that says, you can count on me. Let me make a difference. Let my life count. Let me find purpose in what you have placed me here on earth to do. Let me make a difference. Look what's recorded in Ezekiel 22 and 30. It says, God is speaking. He says, I looked for a man among them who would build up the wall. There was a need and stand before me in the gap on behalf of the land so I would not have to destroy it. But I found None. There was nobody that was willing to stand in the gap, that was willing to answer the call of God. But I dare to say that there are, there are people in this place today that say, God, let that be me. Let, put me in. I can, I'll stand in the gap. I'll pray. I'll fast. I'll believe. I'll trust you. My confidence will be in you. I know, God, that you can work through my life so that people can know you. God is looking for someone to use in this generation, and I want him to use us. I want him to use us. Because one person can make a difference. One person can change the world. So we can make a difference for our families. We can make a difference for our generations. And we can make a difference for God. So if Noah could tell you some things... If Noah could tell you some things, what would he say? I want to look at just three things and then we'll wrap this up. I think the first word of encouragement for you and I would be, don't be afraid to stand out in a crowd. We all know that it's so much easier to fit in. But can I tell you that God is looking for someone that is not afraid to stand out in the crowd. Don't be afraid. God may ask you for something that goes against the flow and to be a difference maker. And for all the students in the house, God is calling you to be a difference maker. That you have to be different. God did not call us to be like the world. He called us to be different. Noah's issue that we find here is that it had never rained, but yet I'm building a boat. I'm chipping away at it. Noah trusted God when there wasn't a Bible. Noah trusted a God. Noah trusted God when there wasn't story after story to tell us and to challenge us and to remind us that He is faithful. Through every season. Noah trusted God. Can you imagine? It's never rained, but here I am. I'm building a boat. But because God said it, I believe it's going to happen. 
Can I tell you how much more can we trust God having a book of great and precious promises that tell us, that stir us, that remind us that he is faithful in every season, that if he said it, he will do it, he will perform it, and he will make it good. Noah is here trusting when there is nothing, there is no evidence to be able to to trust him, but solely his word, and it's it's telling us time and time again, we see through his word that, that God is able. And, and Noah understood this, and he believed it before. He was not afraid. He was not afraid when people would come and laugh at him, maybe mock him, whatever the situation may be. He kept his eyes on the prizes. He kept, he kept focused throughout the years. And he started when he was 600, but he didn't finish until 120 years later. Some of us in this place say we don't have that kind of time, but Noah just kept on working and kept on believing and kept on knowing that God was going to do what he said he would do. And here comes year 700. 120 when he's 720 and all of a sudden it takes place can i tell you that that it is easier to go with the current but it takes someone different to say you know what when someone calls uh, me and tries to gossip that i would say nope let's not talk about that let's put let's put a stop to that or when someone comes when your friends are doing something that doesn't please god uh, that we would be able to stand and say god god uh, God separated me from that. When you get pressure at work to be unethical, that we could be a difference maker and just stand out in the crowd and do what he called us to do. Proverbs 29, 25 says this, that the fear of man will prove to be a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. Whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. This, this is the kind of stuff that I feed myself when difficult times come. Whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. It doesn't mean that I won't, it doesn't matter that, uh, it doesn't mean that I will never go to hypotheticals. It doesn't mean that, that things will not try to weigh me down or try to discourage me. But if I trust in him, his word tells me that I will be kept safe. I'm going to believe him through it all. But let's be honest, it's hard to live right in an unrighteous environment, but it is possible. It is possible. The next thing is this. Don't be afraid to do something for the first time. Don't be afraid to do something for the first time. God may ask you to do something that's never been done before. Never in the history of mankind the short history had it rained, but here Noah is building a boat. No one has ever done this before, but to be a difference maker, we have to be more concerned about obeying God than looking foolish. We have to be more concerned about obeying God than looking foolish because it doesn't matter that it has never happened. God is always at work, and if God calls you to it, he's going to bring you through it. Hebrews 11 and 7 says, By faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear he built an ark to save his family. By his faith he condemned the world and became heir of righteousness that comes by faith. What's the, what's the ingredient that, stands, that makes Noah stand out? It's faith. 
Faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of what is not seen. Is there anybody in this place that says, you know what? I'm just going to trust his word. I'm going to trust him. I'm going to believe that he has my best interest in mind. I know that if God is for me, who can be against me if he is for me? So can I remind you today, don't quit. Just have a little bit of faith. Can I tell you today, don't throw in the towel. Just have a little bit of faith. Can I tell you that the challenge that is before you is not too much for you and God? You and God are the majority already that God will see you through. When the waters receded, God gave a covenant sign about his promise to Noah. He promised Noah that he would never destroy the earth with water again. So the last thing that I want to share with you is I draw to a close. When you see a rainbow, As small and as, a, as insignificant as this may be to you, can you, when you see a rainbow, will you remember that one person can make a difference? That when you look at that rainbow, that you can see that we serve a God that is so faithful that because he said it to a man that is no longer here, that because he is a promise keeper. That he keeps his covenant and that what he says is true. Would you be reminded that there is a word for you and what you're facing this morning? And would you remember that he loves you so much, that he is faithful to you? That's, that's the kind of God that we serve. That's the kind of love that he has. Because I promised Noah, and it's 2022, but it will not happen. The earth will not be destroyed. And that rainbow is a sign to let us know, to remind us that he is faithful to his promises. That his promises are yes, and that they're amen. That a righteous man falls seven times, but seven times he gets back up again. There is a word for what you're facing here today. That I was young and now I'm old and I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor his descendants beg for bread. If maybe you're struggling financially today, but, but he is a God that will provide for you and that he will, that he will meet your needs according to your riches and glory. Maybe, maybe you are in a situation of distress, but you can be reminded that the name of the Lord is a strong tower and that the righteous run to him and that they are saved. Maybe, maybe you're in a situation that's over overwhelming you today, but, but you can say, God, before my heart faints, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Maybe, maybe you need to be reminded that he can still reach you. Maybe you need to be reminded that he that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High will abide under the shadow of the Almighty, that he will guard you and that he will protect you and that he will be your shield and that he is your shield and that he is your great reward. You have to be reminded that there is a word that he is a covenant-keeping God. He's a covenant-keeping God. This is a promise for you. And there is a promise for you today. There is a promise for what you're facing, for what you've faced. 
Matthew 28, 20 says this, and be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of age. You may feel alone right now, but he's with you. It still hurts, but he's with you. You may be crying when everybody goes to sleep, but he's with you. You may be worried and not be able to share that with anybody, but he's with you. You may be anxious. You may be depressed, but can I tell you that he's with you, that he is a God that, that meets you right there and that the sun will shine again. The sun will shine again. He's with you. The last scripture, 2 Peter chapter 3. Peter references what Noah experienced in the, in the Old Testament. And he said, by these waters also the world of that time was deluged and destroyed. By the same word, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. We're grateful for his coming. I, I don't know about you, but I'm going up on the first elevator. In Jesus' name. But watch this. this. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise. Because you've heard it. He's coming back. He's coming back for you. He's coming back for us. He's not slow in keeping his promise. Some understand this as slowness. But no, he's patient. He's patient with you. He's not wanting anyone to perish. But everyone, but everyone to come to repentance. My mind immediately goes to those people that are around me that I come into contact day in and day out. Family members, people that are at work. God loves them so much. And he's holding, he's waiting so that no one would perish. And we have been called to be able to change, to be able to be difference makers, to be able to stand out in the crowd and to remember that he is with us. There is a promise for you. There is a promise for you. Father, thank you today. Father, thank you today for your word that reminds us, that encourages us, that challenges us that renews us, that rejuvenates us, that revitalizes us. I thank you for your word that brings new perspective, new direction, new vision. I thank you for the life of Noah. Through his life, we're reminded, we're challenged. We're called to be different. We're called to be different, that you would be known in our sphere of influence. God, let our lives be a reflection of you. Let our lives shine for you. Let people see our lives and see you, and that they would come to you, that they would find 
the joy, the peace, the long-suffering, the forbearance, that they would be able to experience your fullness in their lives. God, and right now, as every head is bowed and every eye is closed, I'm grateful that you're patient, that you don't want anyone to perish, but that everyone would come to repentance. God, and if there is someone in this place today, if so if you're here under the sound of my voice and you have not made the decision to make Jesus Lord of your life, he's coming after you. He's chasing you down with a relentless love and saying, would you give me a chance? He stands at the door and he knocks. He says, if any man would hear my voice and open the door and let me in, then I will come in. If that is you today and you're saying, I'm carrying my shame, I'm carrying guilt, I'm carrying a burden that is too much for me. And, and you say, I'm ready. I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life today. <laughs> it's the greatest decision that you will ever make. I want to invite you with every head bowed and every eye closed that you would just raise your hand as a sign of declaration right where you're at. Right where you're at, God sees you. God sees you. Would everyone together pray this prayer with me? Dear Jesus, thank you for dying for me, for loving me, for saving me. Come into my heart. Be the Lord of my life and let me live the life you died to give me. In Jesus' name, amen. Could we give God praise?